Chapter 9 of The Boy Chums in the Florida Jungle by Wilmer M. Eli. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter 9 Bob is Sent Home. It was strange sounds coming out of the mists that had drawn the lads' attention. They were not kept long in suspense as to the nature of the noises, for it soon became plain that they were human voices, one shrill and piercing, the other deep and guttural. Nearer they drew, until out of the white vapor loomed a huge, grotesque object, which gradually resolved itself into a big covered wagon, drawn by four gaunt oxen. In the front of the wagon sat an Indian woman, urging the weary beasts on with whip and shrill cries. Behind the wagon walked a huge, powerful Indian, closely followed by a mass of pigs, cattle, and goats, which were urged on from the rear by a pack of mongrel dogs, of all sizes and colors. With much squealing of pigs, barking of dogs, and cries from the squaw, the strange equipage came to a stop in front of the camp, the two boys advanced to the road to meet the visitors. Hello, Walter greeted them. Hello, returned the Indian. No can get by, big machine. No, said McCarty. I'm afraid you can't. Machine right in road, deep ditches both sides, plenty mud. Back one mile is a road that circles around the machine. You understand? The Indian nodded comprehension. No can find road at night. Me camp here. All right, Walter assented. When you get unhitched, come over to campfire and have something to eat. The two boys rummaged around in the cook tent and got out a can of salmon, one of corned beef, and a box of crackers, which they carried out to the campfire. The Indian was there awaiting them. She unhitch oxen, he explained. Walter grinned. Indian man no work? he inquired. No work, agreed the Seminole. Your squaw? asked the interested lad. No, sister. And a gleam of interest shone on the Indian's impassive face. You want squaw? he demanded. No, said Walter hastily, while McCarty laughed. Sister Strong, work good, cook good too, recommended the Seminole seriously. Why don't you get a squaw yourself? McCarty demanded. Sister got tongue sharp as knife point, admitted the Indian sadly. She and squaw would fight and fight and fight with their tongues, and there would be no peace in the camp for its master. Her task performed, the Indian girl now approached the fire. She was pretty for an Indian. Like all Seminole girls, she wore a waist of bright colors a skirt of calico of many hues and beaded moccasins on her feet. She was frankly unembarrassed and smiled around at her host's in evident friendliness. Walter opened the cans and handed them and the crackers to the girl. No meal cooked in big tent, he explained. Tomorrow morning have plenty hot grub. The two ate silently and hungrily, and as soon as they had finished, departed for their wagon with a brief goodbye. They never even said thanks, McCarty commented. An Indian never expresses his gratitude in words, Walter explained, but they never forget a favor done them. If we ever happen near that fellow's camp, he will bring in some present, such as venison or pork. Well, it is time we were turning in. 
The captain has been asleep for hours. Chris awoke all hands the next morning at daylight by beating on his tin pan. He had breakfast already by the time they were washed and dressed. The Seminoles had already hitched up their oxen and, seated by the cook tent, were patiently waiting for the promised meal. The boys invited them to seats at their own table and were surprised to note that they seemed perfectly at ease handling knife and fork. The meal was quickly dispatched, and the Indians, with a brief goodbye, departed to pick up the road they had passed in the night, and the boys hastened out to the machine, while the captain, with his negro helpers, resumed the work of cleaning up the camp. Walter quickly picked up the knack of firing, and after he had mastered its principles, McCarty, standing by his side, permitted him to handle the two levers that controlled the great steel bucket. Simple as it looked to be when he watched McCarty do it, Walter soon found that it required both quickness and coolness to handle only these two levers out of the many before him. He repeated the operation of raising, lowering, digging, and dumping several hundred times, gaining more quickness, sureness, and certainty with each operation. You're going to learn quickly, McCarty said. I am sorry, but we can do no more today. If you look back at your water gauge, you'll see that there are only a few inches of water left in your boiler. Filling it is too big a job for us to tackle alone, so you might as well rake out your fire and we will go back to camp. I say, he continued, as Walter threw open the furnace door and raked out the blazing billets of wood with an iron rake, it's only nine o'clock. What do you say if we go off on a little hunt for the balance of the day? It's likely to be the last chance we will have in many months. I'll go you, Walter agreed. That is, provided the captain does not need any help. They found the captain with his task nearly completed. No, you can't help me any, he said. The niggers will have everything done by noon. Go on and have your fun, lads, but be careful, and be sure to get back by dark. The boys sought their tents and got out their guns and game bags. By the time they were ready, Chris had a lunch wrapped up for them, and they struck out into the open woods, with Bob, the dog, gambling in front of them. "'Why, you have brought your rifle along with you,' Walter exclaimed, noting his comrade's gun. "'Yes, one shotgun is enough,' said his friend, "'and I am in hopes that we may run on to some big game.' I've seen plenty of signs of deer lately. I'll be contented if I can get a good bag of quail. Oh, you'll get them all right, said McCarty confidently. The woods are full of them, and Bob is as good a bird dog as there is in the state of Florida. Look, he is at it already. As if to justify the compliment paid him, Bob had stopped in front of a little oak thicket and stood with head thrust forward and tail sticking straight out. He waited patiently in this attitude for the lads to approach. "'Get your gun ready, and I'll scare them up for you,' McCarty said. "'If you're not used to shooting on the wing, just aim at the flock and blaze away when they rise.' He picked up a heavy stick and threw it into the thicket. With a whirling of wings, a big covey of quail rose up from its center. Walter fired one barrel after the other into the middle of the flock. "'Good!' exclaimed McCarty. "'You got a dozen, at least. 
Watch where the balance light. Here, Bob, fetch him out. The dog brushed forward, but stopped at the edge of the thicket. Fetch him out, Bob, fetch him out, encouraged the lad, but the dog turned back with drooping tail. There's something wrong in there, declared McCarty, something the dog is afraid of. Well, I'm going in and get my quail, Walter said. I'm not going to be cheated out of the first quail I ever killed. Hold on, said McCarty. There's no telling what you may run up against. The thicket isn't over fifty feet across. Let's set fire to both sides of it, and one of us stand by each end. We ought to be able to kill whatever it is as it comes out. Good, Walter agreed. I'll take my stand by this end, and you can take yours by the other. In a few minutes, the thicket was ablaze on both sides, while the two lads, with guns cocked, stood eagerly waiting the appearance of its occupant. The thicket was all of small growth, and in a few minutes the fire had swept it clear to the ground, leaving only here and there a few smoldering stalks of thicket growth. The dead quail lay scattered around on the ground, unhurt except for a slight singeing of feathers. I guess Bob got a wrong hunch that time, Walter said, as he picked up his quail, of which there were thirteen. I'll bet on Bob every time, said McCarty. There was something in here that he was afraid to tackle, and I'll bet if we look around long enough we'll find some trace of it. Look out, said Walter. There it is, right in front of you. End of chapter 9